Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus is still at the banquet that he was invited to by the Pharisee that started in 14.1. 14.1 says, One Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. He is still at that dinner. It is still the Sabbath, and they are now talking. Perhaps the meal is over. Jesus has given a lesson, a parable, about uh, seating charts and how to choose your seat. And then in verse 12, somebody says, apparently somebody who feels that Jesus was a pretty neat guy and that he wants to um, say something to get in Jesus' good graces or to tell Jesus that He's on the same page as Jesus, that he is one of Jesus' guys. And so he said uh, in 14, when one of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And he probably believed that Jesus would say amen to that or yay or right on or something like that and bring the guy in as an accepted member of somebody who understood this new covenant. But instead, Jesus tells a second parable to the people who are sitting at the table. The parable is basically this, that there's a large banquet. It says in 16, a man once gave a, a, man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And the word Great in Greek means huge, means unimaginable, means bigger than you've ever seen before. This is a huge banquet. This is the event of the century. This is the event of the season. And invites went out. A lot of people said they'd make it. And when everything is ready, because there were many preparations during a banquet like this, you did have to... Uh, get the meat ready and you had to get the servants and you counted the number of RSVPs you got and you made sure you had that many chairs and tables and, and everything was set up. And then the word went out saying, it's time to come. And so there was a, a two-step agreement, if you will, the invitation perhaps months ahead of time saying, please RSVP, they did. And they said, yes, we'll make it. And then when the time came, he said, time to come. Now, events like this, uh, we do not know if this is a wedding feast. We do not know if this is what event it was. But it was some great celebration that this person who had the wealth to, to bring people wanted to share it. And the especially under Roman persecution and during the time that Jesus walked the earth, the Romans were in charge. Um, One thing to note about how America is different than ancient Rome is that 
Our First Amendment says that we are allowed to peaceably assemble. We can gather 20 people out on the corner and the police can't say, break it up, if we're being peaceful. That is a guarantee of being in America, no such guarantee in Rome that they didn't like people gathering together. And so when there was permission given, and this man probably had to go to the governor, perhaps Pontius Pilate himself, and ask for permission, when permission was given, it was such an event and a good thing that these things lasted seven or eight days. So if you were going to go to this event, you were going to be away from home for eight days, and you would be fed, and there would be uh, entertainment, and there would be all sorts of celebration things going on for this eight days that you would have. And so he says to his servants, go out and get the people. Here's the list of RSVPs. And he goes, and the first one says... Can't do it. I bought some land and I have to go stand in it. Second one said, I, have to, I bought some oxen and I have to go look at them. And the third one said, I just got married and therefore I cannot come. And these are all excuses. Now, John MacArthur looks at this and he says that at this point in time, the people at this dinner must have seen Jesus as the comedy entertainment that Jesus is doing some stand-up act because this is such a ridiculous and out-of-normal parable. The people who are sitting there understood what it meant to be socially accepted. They understood what it meant to be socially in and to have people uh, go goo-goo and gaga over their latest robes and over their speaking ability. And so someone... Who, anybody who is sitting at that table, these Pharisees, if they had RSVP'd about this once-in-a-lifetime banquet, they would not have excused themselves with something so mundane as, I bought some land and I have to go look at it. And that's because if you think about this just for a moment, you don't buy a plot of land, assuming you're going to farm it or build a house on it, you don't buy it sight unseen. You don't buy it back then, it would just be, you know, mail order or something like that. You don't do things with a land purchase that you don't see it. And especially with the Jewish law on how land is transferred, you would have to meet with the elders of the town, you would have to meet with the tribal leaders, you would have to meet with people to get permission to buy it, the land would become well known to you by the time it came to give the money. And so to say, I just bought it and now I have to go see it is ridiculous. It, you know, the Pharisees who are listening to this would think, well, that person's insane. That person's not well in the head because to miss a super big banquet to look at a piece of land for the 20th or 30th or 100th time during the perching. And the same with the oxen, is that you don't buy ox sight unseen. You have to probably try them out, you know, plow some land with them and see if they're good. And so to spend time with your oxen is considered a dumb thing, that nobody would do that. Nobody would miss a great banquet, and you comparing the greatness of this banquet 
to the excuses that are given, and the excuses are ridiculous. They are dumb. They make no sense. They are not equivalent to the value of the banquet. And so the head of the banquet says, well, I've got X number of seats and it's not full. Go to the... uh, Go out and get the people who cannot pay you back, who cannot support themselves. The blind and crippled and lame, those who beg for a living back in that society, and bring them in. And the servants say, there's still room. And so he says, go to the highways and byways, the hedges, that is the homeless people. Go pull in the homeless people, the people who have no address, and bring them to fill up the a hall, and then Jesus kind of turns to the Pharisees and says, For I tell you, and Jesus is speaking here, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And so all of this is to answer the question or the statement, Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, You have no idea who's going to be in the kingdom of God. It's probably not you. You have done things that have been seen as an excuse. And so these sorts of things are laughable in what Jesus wants them to see, what Jesus wants us to see, and what Jesus wants the future people to see is this. So what did it mean then? You had a group of Pharisees, and we know from biblical writings, we know from extra-biblical writings, that after the people came back from Babylon, as related in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, there was a great concern about not having it happen again, that they had displeased God so much that... God put them into exile for 70 years, and the leaders, the elders who came back from Babylon said, we have to make sure this doesn't happen again. And so they created over time a group of theology police who would live amongst the normal people, and they would notice people's belief and behavior, especially concerning the Sabbath, and how families were treated, and how children were treated, and these sorts of things. And if they saw somebody disobeying their interpretation of the Old Testament law, then they would imprison or kill that person, believing it was better to have this person out of our midst than to have the whole group go into some other... Uh, exile for another 70 years. And so these Pharisees became very big in their own mind. They became very uh, aware that they had authority of life and death over the average person in the street who maybe didn't know the full law. And so they had gotten to the point where They were right at all costs, and they put things like money, they put things like power, they put uh, praise of people, positions and titles 
adultery and fornication, pride and selfish ambition compared to the kingdom of God was their excuse. And you say, well, is that really an excuse? Well, in their mind, if you were to stop a Pharisee on the street and say, you can't go into the kingdom of God because you worship power because of your pride. They would argue with you, believing that that is exactly what God wanted. And what Jesus is saying is that their belief and behavior is so ridiculous. They didn't come to God and say, what do you want? They looked in a mirror. They looked to themselves and said, what do I want to give God? And their lives became according to this parable, an excuse, a ridiculous excuse. They were exchanging, instead of exchanging land or oxen or a wife for the banquet, they were exchanging pride and power and position and title for the kingdom of God. They would rather have this over here than the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying that you may think this is a really ridiculous parable and the person was not acting intelligently to miss the banquet to go look at land, but you, Pharisee, are acting ridiculously by exchanging God's love and God's uh, compassion and the kingdom of God for what you can get today. And if we look at Today, throughout my whole life, I was raised in a church, I was raised in this church, and I was told by some of you who are here today, even in third and fourth grade, that I should go and I should witness to my classmates and I should tell people about Jesus. I've been told that my whole life, and so I have here and there whenever the opportunity came and when I worked in the tech world before I became a pastor, I over time witness to all of my co-workers and back then the, the most common excuse, if you will, that I would get of why they can't come to church or why they can't believe in Jesus was that Christians have no fun. Christians are a killjoy. Christians have too many rules that they saw from their unsaved condition all the things they would have to change to be accepted by God. We, of course, know that you accept God and then he changes in his way and his time, but somebody who does not have that understanding would see it a different way, would see it a, you know, a, a way of, I have to do all the work. And I, I met several people when I was talking about the Bible or something would would say with great pride, well, I've, I've read the Bible, thinking that that was going to impress me, very similar to the statement of, blessed is the man who eats bread in the kingdom of God, as they wanted to get on my good side, they wanted me to say, oh, well, then you're okay. But that sort of idea of, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to come to God through my work, I'm going to come through to God Doing what I want to do is an excuse, is a reason, is something they're saying to God. 
as God being the one with the big banquet. And if you read the book of Revelation, the end for all of us is to meet Jesus finally face to face at the great wedding feast, the kicking off of eternity will be a wedding feast where we will eat in the presence of Jesus Christ, our bride. And so to, to grab something on this earth and say, well, I want this today more than I want that in eternity is laughable, is ridiculous, makes no sense when you compare what you're doing today versus eternity with God. And of course, the other option in eternity is eternity in torment. And so what they're saying is, I want to have a great time today. I don't care about the future. Now today, when you look at people, and I've uh, talked to many people, there's about 485 doors within two blocks of this church, three blocks of this church. Uh, I have knocked on all of them. I have talked to most people. Most people, for the most part, are nice and would say, no, I'd rather not, uh, or they go to the Catholic church around here. And nobody whose door I knocked on ever came to the church. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse or whatever, but that's the invite. That's the invite to the big banquet, knocking on their door and telling them about the church, giving them a postcard and information about the church is something that we can do to make an invite. And what I saw today versus in the past is that today there is a real sense that individuals are the master of their own fate. They're the captain of their own ship. They can do whatever they want and nobody is allowed to tell them it's wrong or it's different or there's a better way. If anybody tells you that you're doing it wrong, then you are being oppressed, is how the modern view, government and people see it. It's the way that America is going. Is that if I get corrected, I am being oppressed and I need to fight against that oppression. And so some people go and burn down Portland. And some people go and they shut down all the businesses in Seattle as a way of saying, I can do whatever I want and there are no consequences. I can do whatever I want and nobody can stop me. I can do whatever I want and it will end up great because I am the master of my own fate. And that is what is being Given today, when you had people in the 60s who were taught that, and then they become parents, and then they become grandparents, you now have two generations of learning that there are no rules, that you can do whatever you want, you can uh, be whatever you want to be, and this is difficult then for churches to break through that. And I think today the door knocking does not seem to work. It gets them, as I was knocking on doors and people said, no, thank you, in my mind, I was saying, well, this is just increasing your judgment because now you know more and I don't do that 
out of spite to do that, but the more that we tell people about Christ, that's all written down. And when they stand before Jesus Christ, all these opportunities will be brought forth before them. And we can't convince people to come to church. We can't convince people to come to the great banquet. If you notice in this parable, the guy who's doing the banquet did not tell his slaves, well, go and argue with them. Go and convince them. Go and, you know, threaten them to make them come. Now, it does say that the master of the banquet was angry at the response, and it's angry because they said, yeah, I'll come. And then when the time came, they said, no, I won't. They were not people of their word. They were not people of their promise. And I have met a handful of people who have called me or I've seen them in the grocery store who say, sure, I'll come to your church. I'll see you Sunday. And then they never show up. Nobody who has told me that they will be there when I've initiated the conversation is, has ever come. And so the idea of saying, yeah, I'll do it, just to make me shut up is an interesting way of dealing with an invitation to the great banquet. And so today when we look at the world, and I want people in San Lorenzo saved. I want not only this church, but every church in San Lorenzo to be full of saved people. That's what I pray for every day. That is what I want, and if you know of a specific person, if you know of a uh, specific by-name person that is not saved, that, you need to be, that needs to be saved, as all need to be saved, I think to break through the politics and the progressiveness of today, it has to be a move of the Holy Spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit bringing conviction having their eyes be open so that they recognize their sin. Because I can tell people they're a sinner and they need Christ, and very few people today would believe me. There is not a belief that sin even exists. And if sin doesn't exist, then God doesn't exist and Jesus doesn't matter. And so we need to, uh, we are acting as, as agents, if you will. We are the servants of God. God's setting up a banquet in heaven, and it's not ready yet. It will be ready someday. It'll be ready when Jesus Christ returns, and then the big banquet is ready. Until then, we're out there getting RSVPs. We're out there telling people about it, and them saying, yes, I'll come. And if Scripture is any indication, and this is any indication, there will be some, there will be many, there will be a few who will give a definite response of, yes, I want to be at the banquet, and then when Jesus Christ comes again, they will not be there. Now, in this particular parable, the people who were invited first were the Jews. God came first to the Jews. Salvation was first offered to the Jews. We are way down in the homeless group, okay? We're the people who are so far away from Jews as Gentiles, but it is now open to us. God has said the whole world can come, everybody. 
of every nation, of every skin color, of every, every, everything. Everybody is invited. Everybody can come. And we are the ones who brings that invitation. We are the one who comes and tells them about the banquet, about Jesus Christ, about forgiveness. And we are the ones who goes out into the highways and the byways and the hedges and everywhere. And everybody we talk to, we give an opportunity for them to say, yes, they'll be there. We can't save people. I can't argue anybody into the kingdom of God. I just present the offer. I say, hey, big banquet, this is how you get there, you want it, you can have it. And that's about all I can do, and I answer questions. But beyond that, I'm offering Jesus Christ to the people, and that is what we do. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I praise you that you are even now saving people, that even now you are sending your spirit to bring conviction to those who seem unsavable that now you are breaking through and bringing them into the kingdom of God. I pray that you would bring people to mind that we can pray for and that you would show us your great glory by bringing more and more people into the churches of San Lorenzo. We praise you for this and we ask your blessing upon the remainder of the day. We ask this through the blood of Christ. Amen. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 180 Llewellyn Boulevard, San Lorenzo, California. Our Sunday morning service is at 1045 a.m. Our website is livingfreetoday.org and our phone number is 510-278-2622. May God continue to bless you as you serve your King. God bless.